brought to you by the Rugby Outlet Mall, equipping you for freedom and connection through rugby. Find out more at RugbyOutletMall.com. Hey, what's really good, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and this is the podcast where we talk to people about the freedoms and opportunities that they have been able to create, find, receive, uh, or take advantage of through rugby. And uh, we have a great guest for you today, Ram Eddings, the legendary Ram Eddings of the Grey Wolves, the predominantly African-American team from the 90s, 80s, 90s, and today, leading away very untold but also very known story. And a lot of people, uh, especially in the older generation, would know who they are. Uh, very reminiscent to Roots Rugby, who, uh, but that made by Kyle and Tiana Granby, who we talked to for the first episode. Go check it out. And this was a conversation that I really was looking forward to, and not just for uh, a year or two. I've been looking forward to doing this conversation for the better part of the last three to four years because of the fact that I had been told about the Grey Wolves way back in maybe like 2010, 2011. I had a teammate who had told me if I improved on my passing that he would hook me up with the Grey Wolves and try and get me a chance to play with them. Of course, he never actually followed through. I also never really improved on my passing because I like to run the ball and crash it, all right? Forward life, ka ka ka. <laughs> but hey, it was it was really it was really good talking to him. It was really good hearing the stories and the perspective. And uh it, it was kind of interesting because you see a lot of parallels that he dealt with that are still happening today um, in a lot of nuanced ways. It's, it's not exactly what you think. So, you know, get your mind out, get your mind out of it. But some of it is exactly what you think. So you weren't that far off, but you're going to find out maybe, I guess. We're going to make the assumption you're going to find out. <laughs> but I want to let you guys know we got those sponsors Today, dos, duas sponsors. Gotta hit that Portuguese, you know. Um, first one, obviously, Rugby Outlet Mall. Guys, here to equip you for freedom and communication in your rugby journey. RugbyOutletMall.com. We have a brand new, and this is where a second sponsor comes in, but I'll, I'll actually go to that a little bit later, but... Guys, you know, if you guys are looking to be able to set up your rugby lifestyle that is more than just what you do on the field and you want to be able to express it off the field, go hit up Rugby Outlet Mall. Here for anybody who is trying to explain rugby in a way that people can understand in a pop culture, go check out Rugby Outlet Mall. We have the stuff for you to be able to explain what you need and to be able to enjoy what you are supposed to get as a part of being with this rugby community, uh, what from movies to books, food to merch and guys, yo, this merch is dope. So you guys definitely want to check it out. And our second sponsor is the documentary Singapore to Tokyo. Any way we can is a 
officially released on video on demand. And you guys can go to the link at rugbyoutletmall.com and click it there. Guys, grab the series, seven episode series, 20 minutes apiece. It is well worth it. And then look, I know it's easy for me to be biased because I was part of it. But look, I am an unbiased film critic. I have no problem hurting feelings. If you guys have seen me on FTF, uh, you guys know that I have no problems calling something bad if it's bad. And honestly, I was part of this whole thing, and this documentary, this documentary is still intriguing to me. Uh, a great adventure. I think it's something for every, especially in this COVID-19 era. Um, it, it was perfect for being able to realize how important connection and uh, how how widespread the community and the culture really is. And not just within rugby, just but with people and knowing what it is to bond through obstacles. And it is an amazing story, an amazing journey, dealt with a lot of trials and tribulations. And look, uh, you, you have to check it out. Like that, That's all I can say. You have to check it out. Go to RugbyOutletMall.com. Look up Singapore to Tokyo any way you can. Any way we can, uh, you guys are going to love it. I, I promise you that. You guys will absolutely love this documentary. And uh, if you guys do, absolutely send it. But in terms of Rugby Outlet Mall, look, I still want to leave you with the promo code Grow Rugby G-R-E-A-U-X, Rugby, for all Gift Time Rugby, HBCU Rugby Classic, and travel gear. Uh, all our shirts, 20% off. On all our gear, uh, all our merch, uh, everything that we have under GTRN and HBC Rugby Classic, 20% off. And, uh, yeah, you guys, you guys are going to really, you guys are going to love it. Tell your friends. We're setting up the community. Rugby is as much a lifestyle as it is a sport. So get ready for it. But... Guys, without further ado, I don't want to hold you back anymore because I know I can ramble. Here is Ram Eddings, Grey Wolves. Check it out. Alright, everybody, welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. I got another VIP guest for us today, coming out of Idaho, but one of the legends of the game. I don't know if you guys realize, one of the most talked about on the low rugby teams in the Grey Wolves, the founder, the master, the legend, Mr. Ram Eddings. (laughs) Ms. Ram, thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, I have to say, the first time I ever got a chance to hear about you and and, and the Grey Wolves was through a friend, uh, a teammate of mine, actually, who had told me that uh, he was going to be able to try and connect me with you guys if I learned how to pass a little better. (laughs) 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 He was like, look, there's this team. They travel. It's all. It's an all predominantly black team. But if you learn how to pass, I'll connect you with them. But I don't want you going over there unless you know actually how to uh, 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 offload the ball correctly. 
So unfortunately, he never really ended up telling me, connecting me with you guys. But uh, you know, it was the first time that 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 the 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 first words of the Grey Wolves were brought to my attention. So this was maybe 2010, I think, is when that happened. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so kind of kind of to kick this all off, you know, I know you have a long history, but what what started you? with rugby how did you get started getting into rugby well you know the the really quick story my father was military and i actually spent four years in england graduated from high school in england started my rugby career in pocatello idaho so i was where it all started had no i knew about it but didn't play but i started my career in, in pocatello uh, by some friends telling me, asking me to play, and, and my actually my first words to them was "Hell no." <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, so that didn't last very long. So, so I, I started playing uh, back in in 1974. Nineteen. See, and that and 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 what makes it interesting is that is I know here in Louisiana, um, 1968, 1969 was about whenever we, I think, rugby started coming into, into the arena alone. So you, you really have been at the, the forefront, basically, of this USA rugby uh, journey. You know, the modern era one, not the 1923 Olympics yeah. guy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, for you, like, what, what exactly ended up having you change over from that hell no to a uh, uh, yes, especially in a place like Idaho that's so errant of a place. Well, you know, the guys, they just, uh, the really good guys uh, had um, two Polynesian players at the time, and they mm. just kept at me and kept at me because we worked together. And so they just finally, okay, Ram, you got to come out, you got to come out. And so, I, so basically they just wore me down. <laughs> and so, uh, so I ended up going out, had no idea, you know, really about the game and stuff like that but uh started playing and actually uh got injured my rookie year uh shoulder injury and uh i was like okay i'm not going to quit playing this i i, I know i can play this so i had surgery and got my shoulder back in position and then went out and started playing that, that following year and ever since you know uh, it was one of those things that i was not gonna let people say that i couldn't play something <laughs> because of an injury that wasn't gonna happen i i like i like the absolute it's the perfect level of stubbornness where it's like look i'm going to win one way or another <laughs> like if there's not it's going to happen i don't know when i don't know how but we're gonna make this happen so wait so you 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 basically your formative years were in England. Was was that also kind of the start of your athletic career as well? Well, I uh, like I said, my dad was uh, pretty much military, so I played in different states. But uh, you know, England was football, and but I also played baseball and 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 so on, judo, and so on like that. So, but uh, at, at the time, football became football and track were yeah. my two number one sports. 
Uh, we're talking football, soccer, not football, American football. American football. American football. Uh, wait, what was, what was your track event primarily? Uh, 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 the hundred meters, uh, <laughs> I ran the hundred meters and, and I was pretty good at that until I got to college. Then I realized <laughs> that, uh, that I wasn't fast enough. So I switched over to the 400 meters. And so that was my race. Yes. See, for me, whenever high school for me, I knew immediately because we had to do track for football. So it was 100, 200 and 400 literally was mediocre at all of them. But my 400 was the, the, my scariest one because it's the one where you're sprinting, but it's basically long distance, in my opinion. It is a sprinter's long distance. Only thing crazier is the 800. And I don't even consider those people to be human at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey. You know, I, unfortunately, that was what my coach used to make me practice for the 400 with the 800-meter guys, you know, and that was always just not right. That was Nothing about that was right. You know? oh. so, so you graduated, you came back to England. So when was the point from whenever you came back from high school to whenever you played? What was, what was the, the time period between those? Because you, you, obviously you went to college. And where did you end up going to school at? <laughs> oh. I went to school in South Dakota. Why do you go to these most errant of like blanket areas? <laughs> this was, it was all my dad. It was all my dad, you know, and, and, and the thing is about, they actually, like I said, I was in England. So my first trip ever away from my parents without them was from England to South Dakota. Wow. And, and yes. And and my dad asked me for the next four years, why was I up there? And I was like, what do you mean, why am I here? You know, um, but it was awesome. It was, it was really awesome. Uh, I think one of the things that was great about it is that, of course, you know, you grow up with uh, cowboys and Indians and so on and stuff like that. But I had an opportunity to interact with Native American students. That's so dope. And that was awesome. That was, that was awesome. You know, I always tell to people, talk about people about whenever you're traveling internationally about how it can create a completely different worldview uh, on how you, a completely different worldview because you, everything becomes much broader and a lot of problems come out a lot smaller. I have to say, it, it feels like in that same guise, you had that with being able to go to South Dakota like right. while you were already internationally traveled, but you're talking about a group of people who, let's say for the lack of a better word at that time, is kind of condensed into this uh, caricature from maybe a John Wayne film or anything like that. Right. And now you're getting to interact and be like, oh, these are real people. Like this is, this might not be as real as, you know, we're, we're taking it from this game component of it. Right. You know, it, it was... All the stereotype things that, you know, you watch and you see, because I always, when we always play Cowboys, and I always wanted to be the Cowboy. But now I had this opportunity to see the real deal. Yeah. And, and it was really, really pretty awesome. Man. That's awesome. So were, was it in South Dakota when you started playing rugby, or what, did you make your way back to Idaho at that point? It was back in Idaho. It was oh. in Idaho. So... So you were working, the Polynesian guys were like, hey, Ram, you need to play. Clearly they were like, you were a track guy, 
you can help us right. here on the field. <laughs> right, right. And and so, you know, and then once I started, you know, and then uh, it was fun mm -hmm. and, and I enjoyed it. And then you started to, to learn the game. I think one of the things that was really good for me for for the the years that I played, I played 10 years in Idaho before I moved on, I had some great coaches. Yeah. I had a couple of South African coaches that came through there. Uh, I had an English coach that came through. And so they taught me a lot and they, they, they helped me move my game. So that was, that was really pretty cool. And, and we would travel. Anybody yeah. who would rugby game with, with our team, we'd go. So that also helped out a, a great deal. So I'm, I'm, this is the part that kind of interests me because we're in this point in time here, you know, we are, it still feels like we're in a growth, but we've advanced obviously within rugby, but there's always this um, issue of, you know, being able to maybe find the right coaches or, you know, making sure that we have a system and understanding on how to teach players. In 1974, what was rugby like for then? Because I, there's two parts on that. It's one the fact that you guys had so many people that were uh, coming from other countries in Idaho, which I'll be honest with you, is not exactly the place I would have thought uh, there would be a high diversity of internationals going through. There maybe Cali, maybe Utah, maybe Washington, but I wouldn't have thought Idaho. But then the second part is you're talking about that, um, that base stage of rugby of, I guess, the beginning eras of modern rugby occurring there so what what was that experience for you like and and in terms of environment to teaching well the environment is, um on our team and we we did have quite a few guys from different places but on our team we had two blacks uh, and that was it and there wasn't very many blacks period and, and you know whenever i go if I saw a black player when we went somewhere to play, it was it was a miracle because right. we just didn't see it. Uh, but I, I think one of the, the good things about it, I didn't run into any really heavy, any really heavy racial issues or anything. Uh, but it was always that deal that we didn't know how to play. Right. And they always, it, of course, of my first position was on the wing. <laughs> You know, uh, they want to put us all on the wing. But uh, I ended up liking that. I love the wing position, uh, and I played that for 10 years. But uh, in this region, in Idaho, Montana, uh, surprisingly, the environment was really good. It was really good. Uh, and, and of course, you know, you run into some sometimes because uh, – I was pretty fast, so you know. And, and then, of course, I would do. I did certain things like wear white shoes, you know. And, you know that. Of course, that's a no-no because no, you're stepping away. Oh, oh, oh yeah, but then the white shoes. When I got slower, the white shoes went away too. So, uh, uh, but you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me was the the coaches, the guys that came along. They recognized the speed I had. But they also wanted me to be able to do more. Right. So I had some really, like I said, really good coaches that wanted me just not to worry about the speed, but 
this is what else I can do, the kicking game and doing some stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the passing, and they taught me those, those things. And so as I moved along, I feel like um, my game got better. I, I, honest with you, I didn't say probably much of anything for, for about six years. I mm. just listened and watched. And, and, and eventually things started to come along uh, with my game and, and the game period. Uh, but um, that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. I, I, I just consider myself lucky that I had those guys who really wanted to teach me how to play the game. That's dope. You know, one thing that, especially when it comes within the black community, and I, I know I face it whenever I, uh, I started playing, not in any harsh way, but it's always in that curious way. Like whenever other black people will hear about you playing rugby or anything, they're just like, the first question is like, what? Or, and then the next <laughs> one is like, yo, only white guys play, only white, only white guys play rugby. Like, was that, was that, what was the context for you? Whatever you got, you would tell like either your family, like your dad or your friends within the community. Like what was their reactions to playing it? Because again, this is 1974. Well, you know, like I said, you know, when, with the team and, and when I first started, we had two blacks and, uh, <laughs> It probably took about 10 years before we got a couple more you know, because it was like, no, you know, and, and, and I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, you know, you got speed, you, you big, you, you know, this is your game and you should really play this game. No pads. First thing is no pads. Wow. And, and, and it was just, it was just ironic. It was so ironic. They would come out and watch, they would come out and support us and stuff, but trying to get them on the field wasn't gonna happen. No, no. It, it was, and it was always, you have no pads. <laughs> well, no, but you know, we teach you how to, how to do this without having pads and stuff. But, uh, but the other thing about it, uh, it was good with the women. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> look, 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 short shorts, strong hits, like come on now, let's go. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so so that was always a good part of it still. I, I find it so funny because I, I swear it's you're it when you tell that story, it literally is the exact same discussion that I had with my with with other other people whenever I started playing. Again, I started playing in two thousand and nine. And so for me to be able to hear like, oh, yeah, yeah, I would see all these big, big black guys and all these women and go be like, yo, you're fast, you're strong, like, yo, come play. And they'd be like, no, there is no, like you said, no pads. And I'm like, bro, I don't even have, look, I'm not even that fast. I'm quick. I'm not fast. I'm small. Like, I can, I'm taking the hit. How can you not? You're like pure muscle. How are you afraid to take this? <laughs> oh yeah, they, it, it it was it was there, you know, and it was for a long time. Even when the gray wolves together, you know, I'd go out, you know, try to recruit at at, at the at the park and at, at the basketball and, and stuff, and and it's like, would you like to play rugby? No, 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 man. We 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 don't we don't do that stuff. That kind of stuff. <laughs> it was just ironic. Oh. Uh, 
History, history. I'm telling. I, I've learned as I've gotten older. History works in cycles, not oh, in yeah. lines. And it's wild to see how much it repeats itself over and over again. Right. <laughs> oh God, yes. So, so let me ask. So, you guys start touring. What What's touring like in 1974? In, in in the 70s and 80s, like. Oh, oh you know, hey, we wanted to play rugby. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, somebody calls up and says, uh, you guys, we, we, would you like to come down and play a game? We were gone. You know, I think that was one of the, the best things about rugby at that time is that everybody was willing to travel. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter, you know. Uh, oh, we went to California. We went to Oregon. You know, we go wherever. If we could get a game and play, we'd go. That was the part that was really good because now you have an opportunity to see other players from all over the area and you learn. Right. You know, I learned so much from uh, traveling and interacting with, with guys and, and making some tremendous friends, friends, guys that, you know, we, we played against over and over and over, over the years, but we remain friends. But that traveling part was was so important for my growth in rugby because I did. I got a chance to see other guys playing, and of course, I stole a lot of stuff. You, know, <laughs> you, 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 you steal a lot of stuff from because you were seeing the guys doing some different things. So it was great, and that's what I I, I miss about rugby today mm. is that nobody wants to travel. See, and I think that's the interesting because I've always felt the same. I think that whenever you are, there's one within the team, the bonding that comes right. with the travel. That alone sets a whole precedent right there. Right. And then after that, it then goes like the experience of just the environment itself. I, I remember for my first kind of real travel experience, um, it was actually what locked me in. And it was a social tournament called uh, Pitch a Tent that's based out of Lafayette, Georgia. Okay. Little, literally middle of nowhere part of Georgia, right? Just a little bit uh, uh, south of, of, of Ten Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it was in that element where you get to see, like, all these rugby people and men and women in there, in the environment that was purely what I like to call rugby, uh, rugby, um, um, what was that fest? That rock festival um from the 60s with Jimi Hendrix. Oh, Woodstock. It, it was Rugby Woodstock. That's exactly what, what Pitcher 10 has always been to me, Rugby Woodstock. But it was there where I was like, okay, this the game and the culture kind of melded together, and I got to get be much closer with my teammates after that because it was it's just a different environment. It's just a different feeling altogether. Right. You know, for, for you – your first game traveling, because again, you, you, you know, resisting initially, and then you have your first game overall, you know, that that's a different light. But whenever you first traveled with, with the guys for your first team, you know, what was that like for you? Like being able to go around? You know, it was, it was really good, especially with, uh, because like I said, I had worked with the, uh, the, the Polynesian guys that introduced me and then the other guys, but it, it was really, really good. You know, I mean, for my first time traveling with these guys, it was like, okay, I didn't know what to expect, you know. <laughs> uh, 
and of course, then you know, back there times, you know, after the game, there was the beer and 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 this stuff, and so uh, I, I didn't know what to expect with that, but uh, it, it turned out to be good because I also everywhere I went, I also knew that I had my back was covered. Right. These these guys were gonna make sure that 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 uh, they took care of me and and, and stuff, and so that was always good and then uh, again the camaraderie and and the stuff uh of course uh, i got dogged out you know they they set me up and do all kinds of things for you know as that rookie person traveling and so on and stuff and i learned very very early do not leave lose the car keys whoever has the car keys you make sure you you keep up with them because you know you <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so, but what, it was it was really good. And, and and again, like I said, the places I went to, uh, we traveled to was just uh, learning and 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 gaining the respect of of not only my guys as we went along, but also the the, the opponents and so on. How much of your England experience kind of helped with uh, kind of? Mel, kind of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, intertwining with the guys. Like, how much of that, like, hey, you know, I grew up in an environment that I might not have played rugby in, but it is that international environment. Like, how much did that help in terms of you being able to build um, uh, camaraderie with the team as well? Well, I, I think one of the things about being a military person is is that, you know, you travel a lot. And as you travel, you know, each place that you go to, you have to be able to adjust and, 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 and interact, you know, right. because it's always, was always somewhere new and so on. So I think that helped a lot and uh, things that was going on. And it probably helped a lot with me eventually. He said, okay, giving in to playing rugby, you know, because it, it was something new. And it was kind of like uh, when my dad was also stationed in Japan. And when I went to Japan, I took up judo. And, mm -hmm. and I had no idea what judo was, but I took up judo in Japan. And so I learned that sport, you know, right. and stuff like that. So it was always that thing that you try. You, you try something new. And I think that's what the traveling and, and stuff uh, gave me because you were always meeting different people in different mm -hmm. situations. So I think that helped a lot in me transitioning into, into that. And, you know, even talking in terms of like your dad, um, you know, obviously as a military guy, there's a level of discipline that is, I think, inherently imparted onto the kids as well. Or, you know, like did that factor into also your, ability to perform athletically both from the times of playing football and track to what you did with rugby you, you know it, it's, it's really interesting with that uh my dad was uh and my mom and dad you know uh never pushed me for anything in sports hmm. uh in matter of fact uh, very seldom you know my dad would, I played baseball. He'd come to a couple of baseball games. My mom would come to a track and she never came to football games. But it was that deal that uh, they just let me figure that out. 
you know, and 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 uh, they always supported me, but it wasn't always necessary that I had. They had to be right there. Yeah. Uh, they they just say, hey, this is what you want to do. This is what you have to do in order to do that, uh, and and to to keep moving, you know. And so I was when I look back at that, I, I was really happy with that because uh, you know. I didn't have my dad sitting up in the stands telling me later on that I struck out three times or some stuff like that, you know. Right. Uh, but that support was always there. Uh, so I, I know that really quick, he came to one track meet in the sixth grade in Texas. Mm -hmm. And we had a pretty fast team for sixth grade. And he actually had some college coaches there that were watching everybody and stuff. And they talked to my dad, and so my dad talked to him and stuff like that. Uh, that was the last track meet he came. Oh, you know, he never came again, and I, and it didn't bother me. But I think he said, "Okay, I guess he has got something, <laughs> some speed or some stuff that's going on, so I don't need to be there." <laughs> He's gonna be all right. I think I think he'll yeah. be all right out right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, now, really quick. The scariest moment in rugby in my hmm. whole life was uh, I was playing in Texas and with the Grey Wolves, and my mom came to a game. And I saw her coming as she was walking up to the field with some friends, and I was like, oh, God. And right about that time, because my mom used to be in, we'd be in the store, mm -hmm. and I'm 30-something years old, and my mom would haul out in the store, baby! You know, and I was like, you know, mom, you got to quit doing that. So as she was walking up, I took a tremendous hit and it hurt. But the scariest thing was do not let my mother come up here and say, oh, my baby, my baby, because I would be ruined. You know, and so and people will ask me, was it? That's the scariest moment. I jumped up. I was, it hurt. It really did hurt, you know, but I got. You know. <laughs> I, it's like you will not have be coming onto this field. There will be oh, no take care of my baby. Get away! Oh, no, get away! Oh, no. <laughs> oh. And, and and being with the gray wolves, I'd have been ruined. I, I'd have been just totally ruined, you know. Uh, so uh, <gasps> no, I can understand. I remember. I know my mom. My mom had. Uh, she's only come to I think maybe two rugby games of mine. And uh, I remember the first time my uh, my mom came, my parents came. Well, my mom came. My dad only came to one other one, but my parents came. My mom came in. She 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 came through. And luckily, I think from playing football, she had already yeah. kind of braced herself for big hits or anything like that. But I remember sitting there and I'm like, okay, guys, all right. There's two things. One, let me just impress her enough to let her understand that this is a good game and I'm pretty all right with this. Like, I don't want to hear anything after. But the second one, please don't let anything major happen because I do not need this imprint of fear in this woman's mind right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's something about, like, you, you want to impress. I feel like there's the levels of, of people you want to impress whenever you play. It's your parents first for the sake of proving that there's a reason why you're playing it. Right. And then it's your girlfriend to be like, yo, look, I am badass. Like, recognize yeah. me. <laughs> and oh, then yeah. it's like your closest friend. It's like, look, guys, look, look, understand. You can't be on my level. That That's a three-level thing. <laughs> <right there. laughs> oh, yeah. You know, 
so, and I think that that rugby, that it, you know, in, in a real sense, yeah, rugby kind of puts that in a lot of guys' mind. Like we're talking about, guys didn't want to come out, but they come and watch you play, and they watch that stuff. Going, you're tough. Not. You're tough. Right. But I ain't coming out. Right. <laughs> oh. I, like I said, it will always baffle me because it's like, yeah, yeah, man, you guys are so tough. You guys are crazy. I know. You should come. Nah, man. Nah, man. Bro, I just watched you, like, punch through a punching bag. How are you talking about you're afraid of this little hit? These guys, you're afraid of these guys? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, man. So, so you played with this team for, for 10 years, traveling right. with them. So. Right. From what point did you start working on the Grey Wolves? What, what brought up the idea of putting together the Grey Wolves in the first place? I think, uh, I, I know I, I ended up playing in Portland, Oregon also. And I think it was at that point in time that, and again, when I went to Portland, I played with the Portland team, uh, which was a Division I team, mm-hmm. uh, men's club, there was no Blacks. So right. I was the only black on the team. Ironically, so, the less shocking thing that I've heard. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I started thinking about it then uh, that, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know that black athletes can play the game. Right. And, and so the deal was, and it's a great game. You know, I mean, when you, when you learn and all the stuff that goes on, it's a great game. And so at that point in time, I was like, okay, we need to do something. Right. And so that, it kind of popped into my head uh, to, to, to do that. And, and then it took me a while uh, to, to actually get around to moving uh, and to doing it. But I, I just realized that, you know, black and other minorities can play this game. And, right. and in a sense, we were being shut out, you know, really, you know, I mean, uh, there wasn't a, a lot of recruiting going on for, 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 for minority players at all, you know, and uh, it, it was just that situation. I thought we've been cut out, but we could play the game. Right. We put our minds and learn the game. We could be very, very good at the game. And so, that that kind of started it. So was this did did did, did the did the did that come into fruition? Uh, like when what point in? Because I'm assuming that was while you were actually playing that this started coming into mind, correct? Right. Or, so like how how far into how how many years had you been playing? Uh, whenever you decided to you started thinking about that that concept. I, I think it was probably it was. Well, let's see. I went to Oregon so ten. It was probably about twelve years. Okay. Twelve years that I that it finally started to hit. Right after I moved to uh, Oregon, okay. then the the idea kind of came up. So it now becomes kind of the interesting part. Well, this whole thing has been really interesting, but it's kind of the interesting part in the development period because, again, now you have a sport that is, let's for all intents and purposes, is still fle- is fledgling in in the u.s and i know the west coast was a little bit heavier with it than probably other parts of the the country but you're still talking about a a minority of players in and of itself and now you're looking at it and how do we recruit black players 
who have either never heard of this game to begin with, or they see it and they're just like, yeah, you're nuts. I'm not playing this. So how did you end up getting, how did you end up putting that together, that first tour uh, for a team and just even finding the people? Uh, Cause it's not like you had social media to be jumping off from. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, what, what I basically did is that, okay, we used to have, um, uh, there used to be a, a magazine, a rugby magazine. Right. Okay. And it was a really good tool and it was uh, used a lot. So uh, I, I put that into uh, the magazine that we were going to start uh, a Grey Wolves team, a predominantly mm-hmm. black team, and so and so. And then this is what uh, I was looking for players that would be interested in doing it. And uh, the guys with the rugby magazine, they helped promote it. They, 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 they helped put it out there for me and, and so on. And then uh, just a, a little word of mouth that I hooked up with a couple of other guys and then I spread it with them. And then uh, it just kind of started to move. Uh, but the rugby magazine, I put a big article in there and they, pl- they, they published it. And from there, uh, we started getting contacts. Nice. So, so it was, you know, I, I, I find that so uniquely interesting because, you know, I talked to, um, uh, I, I told you about them, but talked to uh, the, the couple who founded this team, Roots Rugby, um, that they're based out of New York. And uh, in their initial stance of trying to find it, obviously they had a lot of support, you know, in, in great ways. But there always came this underlying instance of a, uh, uh, a, a as if there is a, a type of uh, segregationist kind of concept where there'd be other players, non-black players, who would almost wonder if, you know, one, if this concept is racist, and two, right. you know, if, uh, like, if, if it would admit having uh, non-black players, namely white players in it, for you, like, whenever you put this into Rugby Mag, did you get any backlash at all, or was it just kind of widely kind of like, okay, yeah. Oh, no, I, we got backlash, you know. And the, the one of the questions that I always receive, well, why do you want to do that? And, uh, you know, of course, with the same thing as segregation, stuff like that, it, it, my deal was, no, you know, we're trying to recruit. And, and I kind of also said, you know, if we can recruit, then it, it's going to help everybody. It's going to help you. So it's not that we're trying to keep segregated, but we're trying to recruit and get more black athletes, more minority athletes involved in rugby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's still some hesitation, but uh, for the most part, I think it was something that teams across the country really wanted to do, yeah. but didn't know how to do it. Right. And so they didn't have that avenue because they weren't going – you know, I, one of the articles I, I wrote and I talked about, they're not going into the neighborhood to recruit. You know, they, they're not going to go in and do that. And so, uh, and, and that was one of the major ways of recruiting. You know, you had to go there. So I think they wanted it and stuff. And so we kind of helped them come along and say, okay, this is how we can do it. No, oh, so that's, 
That's really interesting. It, it, again, you know, like we said before, it's very interesting how life has a tendency of repeating itself a lot because we still find a lot of the, not even find, like a big time, a lot of this issue kind of reappearing again. Uh, I know even here in Baton Rouge, we have the cities kind of split into two sides, uh, the affluent south and then the poor north. And not, and typically the poor north uh, kind of retains most of the uh, the black American black um, people. And obviously, you know, it, it's not touched upon, ironically, as we have universities on both sides. But I've always found, felt like a lot of it is a factor of relatability and expectation um, right. in terms of people knowing how to communicate uh, at least their point to, uh, you know, young kids and, and trying to show what the value is. Uh, right. For, for you, whenever you when you put together that first tour um, and you said, Hey, we're bringing these, we're bringing black players together. What was, what was the, what was the first place that you wanted the, you guys to play? Was it, and was it 15s or sevens? Like what was that first, that first tour? Like first, first tour was 15s mm -hmm. and it was in Savannah, Georgia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. you, you really like going into it. <laughs> well, well, I I was actually playing in Georgia, mm -hmm. you know, for the, when we went and stuff, and I moved to Georgia. We was working on this stuff, and I had been working on it, but that was getting ready for that first tour in Georgia when we were, since I was there, and uh, that's another thing. I when I went to Georgia, I, I had reservations because I told them I said, you know, when I play rugby, it's gonna be a legal way for white boys to jack my ass up. Right. <laughs> so now y'all got legal legality right. around here too. But it, it was but it was uh it was there and that was really interesting because the team in Georgia was really good group of guys. Uh but we, we pulled it together and, and and played there. Um and uh I, I I think one of the interesting things about that, so we ended up having uh, 12 players. That's mm -hmm. all that showed up. So uh, we had 12 players, and it was a tournament, and we were trying to keep the, the black minority thing going. Right. So uh, three brothers, morning of the tournament, walking through the park, walking <laughs> their dogs, and the next thing you know, they're playing rugby, getting their asses kicked, excuse me. <laughs> but we came, they came out, they were walking, and they were, they were just leisurely going through. We told them, okay, we need this. We're trying to, this is what we're trying to do. Right. And uh, we need three more players, and would you guys be willing to play? And, and they played. And nice. that's how we kept that, that going. So now, we didn't see them the next day. They they didn't show up the next day, but <laughs> but that was that was really pretty interesting because once we told them what we were trying to do, and they were good size, a couple brothers, and mm -hmm. they came and, and, and played. Yo, I love it. So it, it was really really pretty interesting. But uh, in Savannah, oh, we had a couple of times. Uh, a couple of teams talking stuff. And, of course, the first team that we played, uh, you know, 
they're out to beat our butts. They, 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 they were like, okay, we're not gonna let this black team come out here and do this stuff because I mean, it's still that point. Blacks can't play rugby. Right. But uh, we ended up winning the game. Yeah, buddy. See that? <laughs> so we we won our first game and uh, and and for the first time probably. Uh, we had speed, power. There was just so much. The team, the group was just so powerful uh, in all the, the elements that we had. Uh, it, it woke up some people. It, oh. it really did. See, and that's, I find that completely interesting. And here's the other one question I was about to, uh, well, I'm about to ask was, when you got to find out the people that you were going to bring on for your roster, I'm assuming these are guys that came from around the country and not right. just in any regional spot. So you guys didn't have, like, a massive amount of time to practice or anything. It, it seems like it was something that you had to do on the fly. What was that, what was that uh, uh, synchronization like for you guys? You know, I think one of the things that we, we all realized right off the bat is that we had to play team ball. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, I think, one of the things that was a big-time motivator. Uh, we had to play team ball. Uh, the other thing was nobody wanted to be the person that let the team down, you know? <laughs> so, so that was that, that, that part of it. Uh, and so when we came together, I think we had a couple of days to, to kind of pull it together and stuff. Uh, and we did, we just kind of, it was just that thing. You realize that we have to tape play team ball. Mm-hmm. But we also have to understand how each person can play. Right. And so, uh, but I, I think our first practices, we saw stuff and we saw each other and uh, it, it went on from there. It was it was pretty good. It was a pretty good mixture of what we needed to do. See, that's dope. Like, and, and that's, that's what I, I like, because I, it's, I've actually, it just, I've heard this on multiple occasions. And again, talking with Kyle and Tiana and a couple guys who ended up playing for Roots, uh, Roots teams for, uh, they said essentially the exact same thing. It's, it's almost like there's, it's an innate understanding that we have with each other. Whenever it's kind of like we get together, it's one, we're proving a point uh, of right. whether it's a limitation point or whether it's a cultural point that this, this is something that is real. Two, we know that we're trying to create something to attract more people from the community to be part of this because, like you said, we know that we can play and play with depth, with knowledge and skill, with skill and talent depth, not right. just simply talent. But the third one is the level of comfort and how attract, how, how much it feels naturally, naturally good. To just be like, yo, I'm playing with my brothers and sisters over here. We know each other. We know our culture. Like we understand oh, each other. <laughs> oh, oh, and that that was just that was such a part of everything. You know, is that we were there, and you're right. You know, we had we had something to prove, and, and, and it was important that that we did. And and so I think that was the other thing that that kind of pulled us together. Uh, that we wanted because we had some athletes the athletes the guys that showed up were players yeah and we knew that we just really had to show our our skills and our abilities uh 
to make this happen. So, what was the furthest place that you guys pulled from? I mean, I guess technically from Idaho to Savannah, uh, or well, no, you were in Georgia at that time. But where was the the furthest that you had a player coming in from to come play with you guys? Oh, geez, we had play. Oh gosh, we had we ended up with a eighty man roster, and so basically players from. Uh, all over. We had players from New York, New Hampshire, uh, Kansas City, uh, we from uh, California, New Mexico, uh, Texas, so um, uh, Washington, D.C. So once we got everything moving, mm-hmm. uh, as time went along, then we just started getting players. We started getting uh we put it out there. The Great Wolves are going to tour. Uh, it's open. Come. And then we get there. I, I think uh, we played in. They invited us to play in the Den- Denver uh, State game, Colorado State games one year. And we had 45 players show up. Wow. Wow. Yes. So, okay. So, when let, let me ask, because this seems like over a period of time, but – when was it the point where you guys, as the Grey Wolves, whenever you created this team, the first tour, you're talking 12 guys. When was the point where it was like, yo, people really are here for this? Like, you started getting players more than you, you, you would know what to do with for one team. Like, what, what was the point where it kind of like you saw it just like, yeah, now we're getting a skyrocket of interest? Well, you know, I think Denver – uh, when we played at the Colorado State games was probably the big time because, like I said, we had 40 players, uh, and that was really good. That was really good. Uh, we actually had picked up a, uh, a New Zealand coach. We I had this guy that I had coached with a little bit, and he was from New Zealand. And I was like, okay, okay. So we worked with that and stuff. Uh, and we fired his butt. <laughs> you know, you know the, and, and, and the problem was, uh, the problem was, and he was in Denver. The deal was, all of a sudden, he had 45, 46 black, Hispanic, Native American uh, rugby players with all kinds of talent and speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our locks were 6'6 six, six and 6'7. You know. We had uh, an ex-Eagle, uh, his name was Rory Lewis, on the wing, who was faster than hell. We had all these people, and my boy didn't know what to do with them. You know, he did not know how to coach him. I was gonna, that's interesting to me, because you would think, especially in a place like New Zealand, where there was very, you have that variation of speed and talent, uh, and it's up between the Kiwis and Polly's and Maori and all that. But you have this guy come through and it's just like kind of shell shocked on what to do right. with everything. Like, was that something? Yeah. Well, you know, it was the same. It, it, it's the same attitude, you know, yeah. blacks can't play, you know. And so I, I think that <clears throat> he got that same attitude although because he kept asking, well, these guys are going to so these guys that can play. And he kept, he was so nervous about that. You know, can these guys, these guys can play. Right. And so I think when we got there and they all got there, 
and we did our first practice, I think we just blew his mind. He, he, he couldn't comprehend all the talent that was on that team and what to do with it, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, we had to make some adjustments, you know. Uh, That's – but I, I – I, it, 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 it's, you know, I was, I was talking with uh, this guy, Nick Walcott, he's out of Chicago and we were talking about um, kind of what we, what, what seems to always end up being the problem when it comes to that recruiting, that, that concept of, of play. And I'll say this, you know, for what it's worth, you know, whenever people, you know, will come to me asking about, Hey, uh, how do we tap into this neighborhood or how do we talk to this university, HBCU or anything like that? You know, a lot of what comes afterwards will be like, oh man, I can't wait to see all the speed and talent. It's almost kind of repetition of the same right. little bit of stare. It's, it's, they, it's, there's talent, but, and we were, we were talking about what was the issue with utilizing football players and pro football players. And there's always a concept of, oh, they're not going to understand how to play the game. They just have the talent. And I started, we were wondering, you know, if it is uh, maybe not an intentional, but an inherent, um, an inherent uh, uh, distrust of what the level of understanding for skill, because the game has always seemed simple. I mean, there's complexities to it. Right. But it's always simple. There's, there's the, you know, sports are still sports. But sometimes it feels like when you talk to people and you talk about them with elite athletes, it's almost like, man, this, this game is far too complex to be able to be taken in uh, at a late stage or anything like that, like in their 20s or something like that. And for you guys, did that seem, that's what it seemed like whenever you're dealing with some of these coaches and seeing these elements. It's like, oh, you guys – it's 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 too late for you guys, but you know that kind of aspect. You you know it it was we dealt with that a lot, and, and I dealt with that a lot. I still deal with that a lot in, in situations. You know, um, is that we can't do this, we can't learn, or the same thing. It's too late. Never too late. You know, all you have to do is have the attitude, willing to come out and try. Right. You know, uh, and, and I think yes, rugby. You know, people are well. It's, it's it's a really easy game, but there's so many little things that you have to learn to do and play. You know, where to be, how to be in a supporting role, what to do this and do that, uh, and, and and it can be tough at times for especially you know I think I heard the deal about the football players and so on and stuff uh, you know and I've had a, a lot of football players come out with coaching the team I, I tell you the fact the fact for me was always with football players is first of all they always thought they were going to come out and knock somebody into next week mm -hmm. and the second thing is the running you know the running. It's no longer sprint and, burst. It's consistency. Yeah. yeah. You got to keep going. So when you tell them, okay, you got, you got 80 minutes of running, you know, uh, I always felt that, that that was the concern. That was a concern. But when you find the ones that were willing to do it, it's a totally different thing. Mindset.
and and that that is the same thing I I've, I've found too. It, it always came down to the the not the pace of the game, but the endurance of the game, and then right. the willingness to uh, adjust just a tad bit from we're trying to make a, a make a play to we're trying to build build a phase out. Right. You know, and right. I know even for me, I had that same issue. Like when I started playing, I, again, I'm coming off as. Uh, a, a former linebacker, played mostly in high school, tried in college. Uh, I'm a look. I'm a running back. I'm, an, I'm a linebacker. I headhunt and I just dr- dr- put my head down and run through. And right. so it, it becomes kind of having to readjust your field of awareness to what you're looking for. But it's never. It was never to a point where it was like I can't do this. It was just like that right. early stages. You're 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 just setting yourself up. You just know what you know. You know. I can hit well and I can run well. Right. I'm gonna go with the simplicity of that. Right. And that was that's always for me, that was the key. You know, if these are the things that you do, uh now let's work to to, to improve and, and do better on all the areas that, that you can do. So So, you know, you guys you're running with the gray wolves now. You guys have the tours up and running. What were some of the things that you guys tried to do or, or hope to be, have been able to do when it came to now kind of recruiting new players? Like, was there any initiatives that you guys started trying to enact on to be able to actually right. bring in new, new people into the system? The first tournament with the one in Savannah, when we got together, the first thing we, we had our meeting and talked and stuff. And, and one of the guys came up and says, we, want to work with youth and so that became our primary one of our primary goals we would work with youth so uh we were in savannah they had a middle school uh and we went to that middle school and did a demonstration and talked to the kids and and did all this stuff uh and that took off that took us off with that. And so wherever, and that was part of the deal is that, okay, we'll come and play in the community because at one point we started getting teams wanted to play us. Of course, they wanted to beat us. But they <laughs> right. to play so we started getting invited. But the initial deal was we are about the kids. We're going to work with the kids in the, in the community. So if you're not going to follow up, once we come in, then we're not going to come. And so that became our primary goal is that we will come and play, but we're going to, we're going to interact with the kids. So we would go in uh, like four days early before the tournament and, and go into the high schools and the middle schools and interact and do with the kids. Uh, the other thing we did is that we'd have, uh, we talked to the, the teachers and so on and we were like okay we have uh honorary captains and so we would say okay we want the kid that well we don't want that good kid that's gonna make it and he's done all this good stuff we want that kid that's been a pain in your ass (laughs) and then all of a sudden he turns around or she turns around right and is doing stuff and so so then once we got that established, and that was always went well with the teachers, and then we'd have our, at the end, uh, the night before we play, we'd have a banquet. And those kids 
would be honored at our banquet. That's so, dope. And and that was great. That was great. And 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 so uh, that became the, the uh, really primary part. So uh, we went places. Uh, you know, uh, I think one of the things we did we did in Compton, California, and we went to a lockdown. Uh, school where all the kids would court upon it and they had to go there and we, they had cribs and they had bloods and and stuff and all these guys at the school and we went there talked did our demo brought them out did rugby demonstration and stuff like that and one of the things the the director says he looked at me and he says you guys are awesome yo and i was like what do you mean he says these kids don't talk to each other but you got a blood and a crib list, lifting an Asian gang member in a, in a, in a, in a line out situation. You know, these kids, and, and that was one of the highlights that we realized that we, it was important yeah. and kids would respond, you know, and, and I think that that was one of the things that we, we saw, we felt, and we got positive feedback. We got a lot of feedback, and we had a lot of kids uh, that ended up playing rugby. And so, so that was pretty positive. You know, and, and I, I love hearing that because that, that's one thing that I have found um, kind of in this, this, this rugby journey uh, that I've, I've been on, from playing and then being on, on the media side. There's one thing about rugby that has been consistent. Every time I go and I'll talk to somebody about it, uh, particularly within, uh, you know, either a disenfranchised neighborhood or really just in general, like there's nobody who I've ever met who's rejected the idea of rugby. They may not play, but nobody's ever rejected it. And then whenever we've had someone play, almost I, I, I can maybe count maybe one time, barely, that I've actually had someone go like, Nah, this isn't for me. Like, I, I can't do this. No, everybody somehow has managed to synchronize themselves into the game. And it's like, yo, this, this is so awesome. This is so great. This oh, God. Yes. You know, we were in, uh, when I was, it was in Denver, Colorado. And it was there for a while. Uh, and they were getting right at the start of getting youth rugby going on in Colorado and stuff. And so we had uh, this guy, we coached. Uh, we had two teams that we were working with, a high school team. One was in blood territory, one was in crib territory. So as things went along, we didn't have enough players to make one to make two teams. Mm -hmm. So we went and told the kids and said, okay, look, this is what we have. We don't have, there's not enough to play uh, unless we combine. And this is what you have. And so, um, and then this is what the thing is. The schools are scared that you're going to have administration that, you know, you got bloods and you got cribs and the uniforms and stuff like that. So the kids were like, coach, we will figure this out. We want to play rugby. And so we were able to combine those teams together to play rugby. But they wanted to play rugby. And that's what they did. And so we, we ended up getting red, white, blue uniforms. So they took care of that. There, there will be no bias on any side. Everybody yeah. becomes a blood and a crypt simultaneously. What are you going to do about it? 
and I want to tell you, it was, it was, it was, you know, and this is predominantly, this is a black team and it was yeah. just great. So we're playing a team that was pretty good. I think they had finished second in the state uh, the year before and we were planning for our first game and holy mackerel, the first half was like, it was scary. <laughs> Our kids were getting jacked up, Yo. you know, and I was like, okay, the fight's going to come. By the second half, they had figured this out. Boom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they started playing. You know, the fight came a little bit because of the white boys. Ah, because they, start, they, because they started getting beat. Oh, yeah, all, that emotion all, kicks in. Yeah, all of a sudden, shit changed <laughs> on them. You know? and they were like, oh, hell no. So, you know, but I was – so proud of those kids because it, it they learn, yeah. you know, and, and they wanted to play rugby. And that's what, that was always one of the things that stuck in my mind. Kids want to do it if you give them an opportunity. And, and, and that went along with women. You know, yeah. we go to the high schools and we do demonstrations. It was ironic because there were some big sisters and, <laughs> and, and, and the brothers didn't want to get out there messing with them. It's not, that was always <laughs> It's like, no, I ain't going out there with her. Yo, know? no, she but, doesn't mess me up. She got a fuck. What? No, you know what's funny? We have uh, one of my one of my friends, um, uh, Shane, out of uh, out of uh, Memphis. He's had him and a friend of his started a program, Memphis Inner City Rugby. And you watch them play. It's essentially predominantly black kids from the Memphis area, both boys and girls, uh, high school and under, and it's essentially bringing these kids together to play rugby. And when you watch these kids play rugby, it is, it is legitimately a thing of beauty because it's not just a factor that, you know, they play well. Right. It's a factor that it is a pure joy. It is. And then what they've done is found ways to be able to get these kids into universities that they never would have been able to before. Right. And right. so now you're seeing an opportunity value that goes along with it. And then you talk to them and it's just like a whole dream change in how right. they, they perceive the world. Uh, because you have this, this organization, this organized sport, which everybody has organized sports, but it's the range of it. It's different than it would be with soccer because I am a big believer that contact sports are needed to get the initial energy and rage out of people right. so then whenever it comes off the pitch it everybody is at a uh, at least a certain standard of chill it's like right. what can you say after you've like you've gone up against each other uh, on the field you come off and everything seems far less daunting but it oh, yeah. is it is a cultural changer when you see it happen and i think that is the biggest significance how much this sport can play into literal cultural change from just right. you know, sixty minutes, fifteen minutes of playing, and just—it's wild to me. It's wild for, and especially with the girls' side, completely oh, yeah. changing how they look at the world. Nobody can mess with these. <laughs> nobody can mess with these girls after that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's it is, and, and I think that that was what we 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 kept dealing with, and we kept seeing that uh, the attitudes were always good i mean you know and the kids uh they were just willing they were willing to try and and they once they figured it out and they really learned it uh oh yeah it's a whole different ball game now right. you know and, and we did definitely had a lot of kids that we were able to help uh 
well, along with the schools and the teachers and stuff that, that went on to college, you know. Uh, I, I think years later, one year, we were down in New Mexico playing, and uh, this kid came up, and he he's talked to me. He was playing with someone, and he says, Grey Wolves, he says, you guys came to my school in Washington, D.C. and talked to us and, and stuff. And that got me into college. I, from there on, I went to college and, and moved on and stuff like that. And that was the type of things that we, we wanted to hear. Uh, and that was good. That was good. I was about to say, how, how was that feeling? Because for whatever it's worth, like, uh, people, whatever, you, you, you can be the most unemotional person in the world. But there's something about knowing that you had a part in a person's future progression that hits in such a different way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it is just awesome. You know, and, and we could feel it. You know, we, we could feel it even after we talked to the kids, you know, uh, and, and stuff. We, we could feel it uh, when, when they would come up and, 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 and talk to us after we did the demonstration that got them involved. And, and it was all about, you know, we want you to go to college because 80% of the Grey Wolves were college graduates. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were like, we want you to go to college. This is what we do and, and so on. Uh, and, and so it was that element of pushing them to, to step forward and, and, and do more than, than, than they thought they could do. And so that was always really good. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, it, it, even in terms of that, I remember, so I went to Asia this past year for a couple months doing a kind of a, a rugby tour. We were, me and a friend of mine were bike riding across Southeast Asia, seeing these uh, rugby-based charities and, and, and heading out to the Rugby World Cup itself. And we went out to Cambodia. And, uh, you know, Cambodia is not a place where you think they would be the heaviest rugby place in the world. All right. Um, and we, the tournament that we were at, it was a friend of ours, uh, the Kampachia Bulat. That was the name of the organization. And they had a tournament was all these little, all these girls that were there. Some girls that were from Singapore, which were predominantly white girls from Singapore. <clears throat> and then you had these little Cambodian girls. And we're talking about from U12 to U16, to U17, yeah. U16. Ram, when I tell you, that these tiny little Cambodian girls were some of the cleanest, hardest tackling little girls I'd ever seen yeah. in my life. Like <laughs> they, they full up, like you're talking about, they have to be maybe, maybe 40, 50 pounds, tiny, <laughs> full wrap up change, knocking these, these Singapore girls out. And, <laughs> and you're like, looking, you're like, yo, what, what is happening right now? And of course, as they got older, the weight differences started to play oh, yeah. to the favor. But, um, but the thing that really stuck out from that was when you talk to the girls, it changed their, their trajectory of what they were looking at with their life changed right. from it being, we're going to end up being just a wife or, you know, a cook or, you know, something that was in the, the narrow view of what is expected of them traditionally. Right. To, yo, these women were like, yo, we're about to go travel the world. Yo, I want to be a baker. Yo, look, I'm about to be an accountant. I'm like, yo, you're you're 13 years old. Like, how, how are hey, you over hey. here? But it, it it again, it goes back. It's the culture changer. And then to know that you have that 
that impact or that effect. And right. you can see it in in live. It's not like a movie. It's not something that you so like you're seeing it in real time. It it it's wild. It's wild right. how how tremendous tremendous that can actually be. Right. You know. So so you guys have been doing this with the Grey Wolves. So what at what point was it like what's what's the word I want to say? It feels like there there a downturn started happening. Maybe like you guys maybe weren't playing as often or you weren't traveling as much or what what changed? I, I, I think that was pretty much it. Uh, all of a sudden we we started to reach a, a, a time frame uh, that we would set up tournaments and we'd set up stuff and of course we'd send out all the information. Okay, guys, you know, this is where we're gonna go. Uh, you know, everybody did not have to make every tournament, but you know, you had to let us know that you're gonna come and so um, I think after uh, a while, probably we would set up stuff, and then I would I I would get that dread call the week before the tournament. Well, Ram, I know, and it was like, okay, guys, you can't do this because we set all this stuff up, you know, right. ahead of time, you know. And, and you have all this time, you have, because our term is basically six months apart. Right. So every six months we, we'd go, but, and we'd start working on And then we'd ask, okay, where we want to go and, and stuff. Uh, and so it, it started getting to the point that uh, we weren't recruiting as many, it wasn't getting there as much as we needed guys to keep doing. Because at the early stage, Everybody was recruiting. Right. All the guys, the team, they were recruiting. Got to come play. You got to come play. And then it started kind of to drop off a little bit. And then we started a couple of times. We started running into situations where we just didn't have uh, the group uh, that we needed. And the thing was, we were playing top of the line teams. Right. You know, we we weren't. You know, I mean, we would go and play. But we also wanted to play the top of the t- top. You want of the to test. Line. You want to challenge yourself, of course. Uh, you you want to see what the 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 mark of this essentially an all star select team can do. Right. So, um, so when that started falling off, then then that kind of hurt uh, the overall performance of what we were doing, and so on. And so it, it just finally started. I, I started getting pretty frustrated. Because I could not get that that commitment, yeah. that, that positive commitment, and so on, and stuff, and so, uh, and, and that became a drag. That that became a drag. About what about what year did you start to see that that downturn start to occur? Oh, now you're asking, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I challenge, I challenge right. right. under hey, the scope. Hey, Hey man, you do realize I'm old, you know. You know, hey, you know, I'm trying to go back and stuff. Matter of fact, I had to pull out the book, one of the books I had to find out what what was going on and stuff. Uh, God, probably. Oh, oh God, I can't. Early two thousands, late nineties. Uh, probably early two thousand. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was early two thousand. 
that uh, uh, things kind of started to 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 drop uh, mm -hmm. a little bit. Because uh, up until that point in time, it, it might have been even a little later that that we were able to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I think we we were there all not quite ten years, but it was pretty close okay. to what we were doing. So. So kind of in that time that you guys have been playing, you know, you're, you're talking, it, it sounds, there's also like this adjustment in the play of rugby. So from, from 1974 to let's say 2005, 2008, something like that, you know, the style and play of rugby, how much did you notice in terms of the adjustment, like in how it was done, how it was wrapped, how it was kind of impacted? Because I, I, I wonder if even to that effect, it started playing into uh, what would happen with the touring squad because the culture of rugby was changing in the U.S. bit by bit by bit. I think um, it, when I'm just trying to figure out what, what up until a point in time, everything was still really pretty good we, we were still playing very competitive rugby was still a, a very competitive game uh in, in a lot of ways uh but but i do think that then then some of the laws started to change and, and stuff and uh, I, i'm not really sure if if, if the, i think with us also uh the guys got older yeah. you know, and, and then they started having uh, families and, and stuff like that. And so I, I think that that was, was a major part of it. Um, the traveling and of course it, it got a little bit more expensive and so on and so on. So I think those things start to have uh, some effect on us and stuff. I don't think the game Per se was was uh, instrumental in as far as change is concerned, mm -hmm. because I I think that that was still we still understood that we, we right. still understood that stuff, but but I do think that probably with with some of the changes as as we as guys got older, and and or started getting married and stuff like that 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 kind of had an those damn families ruining all the oh, good God. rugby. <laughs> hey man, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and for, for a long while it was all good because, you know, it was just the way it was going and everybody was doing it, but I also, and probably, you know, like I said, everybody started slowing down and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and then it got for me it got expensive because then I started ended up covering more stuff than 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 I really could afford to do and stuff like that. But I the game as far as the the, the style of play and the game itself, I think we were so we were so far ahead, and and I think that that's what kind of took a whole bunch of people off guard because. Our style of play was fast, right? You know, uh, and we just we we just uh, had developed that 
that this was going to be a, a quick game. We got big boys. We, we can run them, but we're not going to beat them up. We're, we're going to let them run and let them set stuff up too. And so I, I think that was one of the things that really took everybody off guard. And all of a sudden, here's this group of guys out here, and we're all moving, and we're doing a fast game. And, and so – I think that had a big time impact in, in, in our play and, and the success that we had with the teams. Uh, and I think that's something we could continue to do, you know. Uh, and, and, and as I coach now with, with the university, that is still my, my game plan. Yeah. I tell my guys, you know, I would rather run the other team scrum to death. And the cats don't like to be running. You know? Right, they have to run. <laughs> they, they they're not happy people, you know. And so so let's make them work. Leave it to the backs to try and kill the forwards. All <laughs> you know, you know. But it it was it, that deal is. Uh, but it was it, it was, and and I think that uh, that that was just really good for us. That was yeah. just really really. good good for us as, as far as our style of play which I, I think really took teams off guard because they, they they really wanted to well they're going to play and they wanted to beat us up and yeah that's not you, could, you can't beat them up if you can't touch them can't but... catch them can't do it you know <laughs> and so so uh but I, I think as as time changed and and it's like now and, and today uh, uh I think uh not too long ago, I was watching uh, one of the videos and of uh, a game. It might have been one of the older World Cup games, and they were talking. No, it was recently. But anyhow, they were talking about a new play mm-hmm. that they did. They were showing this new play. This one, and, and I started laughing. It's not new. <laughs> we did that back then. It's new because it's coming back around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's not new, you know. That's something that that we're doing. So I think a lot of ways rugby, just just a lot of stuff that's coming back around, right? You know, that 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 was part of the old game and stuff, and now it's just being coming Cycled back. back. Again, time is cyclical, not linear, and so it, yeah. it, there's always somehow it comes back. Whether the very the presentation changes a little bit, but the core concept is always consistent. Right. You know, but I, I, I there was just some moments with the Grey Wolves. There was just some moments. I, I remember we played in, uh, and, and like I said, these guys are just talented. We were playing in Washington, D.C. Uh, and uh, I, we were playing Chuck on the Bay, I think. And we had a, our inside center was, his name was Jerry Gomez. He was a Hispanic kid from Texas. Nice. Uh, first time in my whole rugby career is Jerry was killing his inside center, just killing him. And, and the guys were jumping on the, on, on the, on the guys. I mean, you got you to control, you got to control. And, and Jerry's just wearing him out. He's just wearing and finally, the dude turned around and told them all, shut the fuck up. I need some help. And, you know, and, it was like, <laughs> and, and I was rolling. He's like, I need help. You know, y'all, y'all need to get here because this cat is hurting me, you know. 
it, but we would have those moments that that guys would just do some stuff uh, that was just amazing, uh, and we ended up having two eagles. We ended up having two eagles that came through the Grey Wolves team. Who? Wait, who are the eagles? Who are the specific uh, eagles? Rory Lewis. Nice. And a guy by the name of Cliff Vogel. Oh, uh, he's uh, he was like the second black rugby player for the U.S. team or something like that. Oh, uh, he was there for. I mean, I'm trying to remember when Cliff was there. I can't remember the date. It's like yeah. the eight, like eighty, eighty-six or ninety, Stuff something like that. In there. Yep. Uh, Cliff was. Uh, let's see. Cliff was a little bit older back then. Now there was another guy, Richard Prim, mm-hmm. who was also uh, a sevens player, ego and stuff like that. Uh, so, so yeah. But Cliff was, Cliff was a little older and stuff. So I mean, a little younger and stuff. So, but he came out of Kansas City at at the beginning. Steak and, steak and potato boys. Steak Amen. and potato boys. <laughs> First time I saw him, the guy went to tackle. He stepped all over him. Bro. You know, he's like, oh. And so, uh, but how, yeah. How often do you get a chance to catch up with the, some of these guys uh, from, from the Grey Wolves? Because I got to assume that to, network had to be legit. Yeah, actually, this, uh, I, I keep up with the guys and stuff. Uh, on Facebook and so on, and this year I'm going to see Cliff. Like, I, they're always on my butt. Ram, we need to get back together. We need to come <laughs> together, and so uh, they keep working me and working me. So we might try to do that. So, uh, well, and, look, and that would be fun. Look, look, you know, we 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 have this tournament called the HBCU Rugby Classic, and we're bringing all these. Uh, we bring all these teams, high school club and college teams, and you know, I feel like it'd be a really great situation to get the Gray Wolves and the Roots guys maybe come <laughs> together. I mean, <laughs> we're we're talking about history repeating itself, coming together, old school and new school. Ah, look, 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 look. I'm hey, just man. saying. I'm just saying. Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, I'll think about it. <laughs> And, uh, oh, you but, know, go ahead. Oh no, no, finish what you were about to say. No, but uh, yeah, yeah, but they are they 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 they're 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 constantly on me and stuff uh, and so on. Uh, so, uh, but it, yeah, there was just so much. And the dynamics of everything was just so great, you know. Uh, and, and, and no matter where we were and what we did, it, it was just really, really, really good. Um, and, and, and the guys stuck together. I think out, out of all the times, uh, we had one person that had an attitude because of, of play, and we tried to get everybody playing time, and everybody's had we had one guy, one person that would, had a bad attitude. And, the team took care of that. I didn't have to deal with it. <laughs> I'm assuming he either was properly uh, talked to or no longer made himself on the team. Yeah. Uh, well, let's say he set up in the stands that game. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, you know, 
looking into it now, um, you know, we, we, we talk about a lot of these, a lot of what you guys dealt with and what you guys were able to impact. Looking at it now, you've been a coach. You were at University of Idaho as, as a coach. Uh, right? or Idaho, Idaho State. State. Idaho State. Yeah. And, you know, as a recruiter, being able to see these kids coming in, what is – are you seeing things that you – that you feel have changed for the positive or, you know, maybe, or maybe a better question to ask here. What are some of the holes that you are seeing now that you feel that can be take that need to be filled or need to be handled at this point? I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is the kids that are coming in uh, is about attitude, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially when we're recruiting the high school kids. Uh, you know, they have that attitude that they know it all mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and trying to get them to really work and, and work hard, you know, uh, well, I, I, no, you don't, you know, <laughs> you need to, to, to take some time, listen and learn, and then you, you will figure some stuff out. But I think, and I think that's been one of my biggest pet peeves with high school coaches uh, uh, of what they they're coaching these kids uh, as they come out and and it's just is it's not where it should be. Yeah, it, it could be better. Uh, the kids could be 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 better prepared. They could have much better attitudes uh, than they do. And, and the sense that they know it all and, mm-hmm. and they don't. And that's my, that's one of my biggest, biggest pet peeves. Uh, you know, and, and nowadays uh, some of my, my players will come back from the university and they'll come out to practice and they'll tell me, Is it, you know, you coach, you kind of mellowed out and stuff, you know, you, you, know, you, 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 you know, you need to do all this stuff, you know, and, and stuff. And, and I think about that. I, I, I'm not as scary as I used to be. You know? <laughs> you know. Getting soft in your, you're getting soft with your, with, with, with time there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think so. And then, you know, and, and, and that, I think that was one of the things, even with the gray wolves, you know, yeah. I, I softened up on them a little bit too, you know, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think that we have, some really, really talented high school kids coming out of high school and stuff. Uh, but the culture, uh, the attitude is not what I consider rugby. You know, it's not, it's not let's go play hard, uh, work hard, beat each other up, but then after the game, let's get together, communicate and talk and right. stuff like that. Uh, I don't see that going on you know uh, and, and I just don't see that element of respect that should be there for playing the game and right. I think we've lost that element you know no no it's hopefully hopefully it's because I you know it, it like I've said I, I think that's the biggest component of the culture is what happens once you're done playing you know once right. you're beating each other up once you've done, that's where the connection ends up coming and the differentiation steps from right. maybe a lot of other sports. 
So like, I know we, as we move towards this commercial element, which I'm perfectly, I love the commercial element. I feel like this is something that's needed to be done, but it doesn't need to be done at the cost of maybe that deep tie that still holds you to, Hey, let's grab, let's grab a drink, you know, maybe, maybe not always a beer anymore, but let's grab a drink together. Let's, let's break bread together after the game and, and be able to, to utilize it because if you take that away, um, I don't know. I don't know if it really stands the same uh, overall. It, it it doesn't. You know. I mean, it, that's just so important part, and that was always my thing about the game is that that's so important. You know, it's important to sit down and, like I said, you know, you sit down, you interact with with someone. You played against a guy on the field, and he did something that was like, oh, damn. That's cool. I want to learn, you know? right? And, and then you have that opportunity to talk to him and stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I had an English kid that kicked my butt with some kicks one game, and I couldn't, I couldn't get him, and I couldn't get him, and he just did all this stuff on me. Well, you know, that night after a few beers, we're in the parking lot. He's teaching me how to do this. That's you know, so awesome. Like, you're going to teach me this mess. I don't care, you know. Uh, but when you try to tell kids, and I try to get my guys, watch people play, watch what they do. They want to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to end up coming back to what happened with the travel component. And I'm hoping after all this uh, coronavirus crisis uh, comes to subs- comes to s- subsides a bit and we're able to start moving, uh, I think that part is – the traveling, whether no longer maybe just domestically, but, you know, for having people be able to travel a little bit more internationally and maybe right. get a flip of the culture. Because I think sometimes we can, maybe these kids can be a little bit homogenous just because the internet keeps everybody so connected at a right. certain point that you need to have something that is ultimately shocking and, right. and to say, okay, let me, let me reel it back. Oh, this is what this is what uh, this is supposed to mean. This is the humility, but at the same time, the confidence that I, I'm able to take from it. And that's why I play the game as opposed to just, right. hey, we play, trying to get a college scholarship, trying to go into pros, maybe make the international. And it kind of puts a blinder on, on the totality of what the sport offers. You know, and definitely coming to college because college rugby is it yeah. and stuff. But and it's like, okay, guys. You know, but, but again, you know, uh, sometimes I think we lose high kids when they come to college because it, it's not going to be the same level as it was when you're in high school. Right. I mean, it, it's going to go up, and you right. have to expect that it, it's going to go up and stuff. So, so I mean, that's, sometimes that's, that's pretty interesting. I mean, that's it's part of it. Like you have to, you need to understand there's still a filtration, but there's still a part. And that's why one thing I'll say, and then, you know, start to wrap this up. But uh, one thing I've always been a believer on, especially when it comes to tapping into the black community and being able to use rugby, that rugby is, is a sport that if you're going into the black community, it needs to be more than just a, about athletics. It is about the totality of sports putting in an administrative right. position, ref, you know, a referee position, exec positions, uh, understanding logistics, like understand that there's so many pieces that are here, which is ironic for a sport that is as old as rugby, but it right. feels very young in terms of 
sports marketing, sports business development. But if you're, you're going to go and bring these kids in, bring them in with an intent to create a roundedness and say that, Hey, even if you're not doing something athletically, Hey, there's this other component. Let's, let's get you into these possible GM positions or, and the beauty with rugby and you know, this create a team, create a touring team. Maybe you can create the GM on that and you can be able to provide that and understand the branding. And now that the marketing plays into it and all it, it just, it's a much wider field that can go and it doesn't have to limit itself. Like some of these uh, other sports that are now more prominent, like football and basketball, they, they, they seem to limit people in. I, I think that was one of the things, and we tried. I mean, I, I know that we, we tried, you know, just a, a little break financially would have just been tremendous uh, for us because we were, the, the guys were doing such good stuff. They were just doing such good stuff, but we, we, we also just couldn't get that financial. No one, no one to really sit and sponsor it or anything. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Look, we, we, I could have literally a whole other hour conversation oh, yeah. with you when it comes to like sports marketing and just how to be able to do that. But I want to save that for another time because I want to be able to have you back, you know. <laughs> but kind of to, to wind this down, for you, you know, one, I, I read somewhere that you uh, recently retired from uh, your position at Idaho, at Idaho State. Right. Congratulations. Congratulations yeah, on you. making these markers. Um, but for you, you know, with, with all the knowledge that you know with rugby and, and what you've been doing between coaching and just being a, 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 an observer, you know, what do you feel is next for you within the sport? And subsequently, what do you think is next for rugby? You, you know, for me, and, and I'll, 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 I'll be honest with you. So in, in, in 2005, uh, I was uh, inducted into the Rugby Hall of Fame for uh, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. I, I take that with a grain of – it was good. It was cool. I was really honored to be able to do that, to, to be there. But the the thing that was really interesting with that is I can I don't feel I need to be able to use that you know, uh, and I can't in, in in a sense. Uh, I've never been a person that's going to talk about myself a whole hell of a lot. Uh, but Give me the information I, I so I can talk that, about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's one of the things that that I feel that's really hurt in a sense that I don't do that because of that because when I go and I and I see these young kids at uh, at tournaments and these young high school kids at tournaments and stuff I want to be able to talk a little bit about that because I want them to see that hey you know this is where you can go in the sport and especially the kids of color that that are playing the game. But I can't, and I'm not going to get that element of respect from the white coaches. It's just not going to happen. And, and, I, and I realize that. And so it's really tough 
to do that. But I, I think one of the things that is very, very important is that the kids of color have got to see success on, on, on the rugby level. They, they got to see people that are playing, the guys that are playing rugby at, at, at a level that's going to, to help them, to motivate them. Because there's a lot of kids of color now that are playing rugby. And, and we need to make sure that we continue to encourage and continue to get them to the point that they see uh, this is where I can go. Because contrary to popular belief, the bull is, the kids of color are facing the same thing. It hasn't changed that much. It hasn't changed that much. And the kids of color are facing some of the same things that we were facing when we were black. And how we're going to get that, how we're going to be able to motivate these kids and, and to get them is, is that's my big worry because uh, I, I've watched and, and I've seen the coaches doing this and uh, they're not doing it. Right. They're, they're, they're not helping the kids of color really learn the game. And, 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 and that bothers me. That bothers me. So, so I'm not sure how to, how to turn around, how to turn that around. But um, we need to. We need to really concentrate. And they're basically rugby is going to say, oh, no. But it's a fact. It's a yeah. fact. It's still, it is still there. But we have so much more talented kids that are playing now that we need to figure this out. I am 100% in agreement with you on that. And, uh, you know, I, 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 thankfully, I, I think we're starting to – I think there's there's a little bit of an underground that's starting to pop up from it and uh, present it. And, you know, this is where having wisdom like yourself able to be able to come in. So please, I, I will say this out loud and publicly. Don't allow yourself to disappear behind the ether because uh, we're out here wanting to be able to do it. And it is a rough Amen. game. But we, we love being able to have minds like yourself who pioneered it. To be honest with you. Well, you know, the other day, uh, you know, I still got this thing. You know, I hit, I hit seventy this year. Congratulations! And, so other, I, and I'm working out. You know, I'm doing my little thing. And so the other day, uh, last week, I went out and I did a couple of things. One day, I did something else. The next day, and then I did something the third day. Oh, I think you paused. I think you muted. Hold on, I, I, uh, Ram, I can't hear you. Hold on one sec. I think for some reason you, you, you got muted. Okay. Okay, I can hear you again. Oh, okay. Sorry. But continue with what you were saying. You said one day and, and, and then it disappeared on me. So, so then, uh, so I, I, you know, I thought, oh yeah, you can hang, you can hang. I'm doing this mess, man. I had to take a week off. <laughs> I couldn't move. <laughs> I, 
I said in some Epsom salt, that didn't even help. <laughs> I was like, okay, brother, okay. You're at that point now. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, uh, I, I have to maybe come to my reality at this point. I, I got to come to my reality. No. Ram, Ram adding. Hey, man, I really appreciate this. I really do. Dude, the the pleasure is absolutely mutual. Uh, and like I told you, it's something I've wanted to do and have this conversation for a long time. And, uh, you know, for me, it, it, it means the most, not only just to have you, but to hear your story and to know that, um, that, that there are, there are people who, who understand, uh, the struggle in a, in a big way and, uh, that to try and want to, and have a desire to make changes and, uh, improve things. Let's call it, improve things significantly. So I really do appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, as, as everything breaks out, you know, and stuff like that, we get back to uh, moving around. Uh, I would definitely be interested in coming your way. So Love it. So, I love it. That, let me, you know, that would be great. Uh, I still travel and I still, I'm still happy. You know, I'll get in my car and drive anywhere. You know? that's, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I don't need the planes all the time. Let me travel, except for once it steps outside of the 18-hour range, and I'm 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 taking a plane. Once we go past 18 hours, this is where my cutoff moment is. <laughs> Ram, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Yo, that was that was legit, right? Like I learned, I learned so much, and it was it was so nice to know that some of the struggles and the difficulties that he dealt with while it's annoying that some things are very much the same but it's the fact that we know that we can make differences it's not simply a roadblock and things move forward and we have much more data and there's there's more black players and there's more opportunities right now but we can take advantage we need to still break through um but man i i really was happy i appreciated ram for being able to come on great guy like man that is that is a salt of the earth kind of guy and uh you know i hope you know his idaho idaho state guys do well but um man that that was good and guys look we still got some other great podcasts that are coming up but more importantly we got a bunch that we have uh behind and if you haven't heard it you know check it out we just talked to charity williams canada women's sevens last week the week before that, uh, we spoke with Blaine Scully uh, of USA Rugby, uh, co-captain at the Rugby World Cup. Before that, you know, we had uh, Angie Elena uh, who with Swiss Women's Rugby. We had Chise Belu with Pedal, uh, a schooling and university place. We had Phil Thiel. We had um, uh, Raheem Vital and... Mike Toussaint, we had Naya Tapper, USA Women's Rugby. We had uh, 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 Saifuddin Safir with Morehouse College. Like, guys, and gotta always throw it down, Kyle and Tiana Granby with Roots Rugby. Great interviews. Definitely go check them out. You guys are gonna love them. And please, of course, if you guys feel like this is some good content, 
Yo, pass it on to your friends. Let them know. Let them get the information because we want to make sure that we're providing the information that creates a better global connection with the rugby community here and abroad, as well as being able to give you the freedom to be able to use these opportunities to be able to expand and enhance your own life. Like, we want to do great things with this for more than just a little bit of talk. This isn't just sports talk. We're talking life talk. Whether it's in a party life or whether it is economic life or whether it's basic social life, like, one way or another, we want you to be able to tap in and know that this community is very much there for you. So, I appreciate that you guys took the time to listen to this. I appreciate the fact that you guys have been there. Please, Go take a look at the documentary, Singapore to Tokyo, any way we can. Available now on video on demand. Check it out at the rugbyoutletmall.com. It is going to be up and about, and you guys get excited. And I'm excited to have you guys here. This is Gift Gift Time at Beilu, and I will talk to you later.